Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Couples Healing Podcast. My name is Sam Tielemans, and I'm excited to have you guys here because I want to lay out the five pillars of what it takes to permanently and completely overcome an addiction to pornography. And so I want to lay out this blueprint so you can know what to look for and what you should be focusing on and the way you can approach this so you don't have to struggle with this problem for the rest of your life. So whether you're the spouse of somebody who struggles or if you yourself are somebody who struggles with pornography use on any level and you feel like it's it, it's been something you have not been able to get out of your life, I want to give you this blueprint today so you know where to channel your efforts. And again, if you're a spouse, so you know what to look for with your spouse in terms of him doing his work. So you guys can, again, uh, use this blueprint as a way to act as like a compass for you. I've been working with people for over a decade now, and I want to distill the process down to a handful of things so you can know if you're making progress and how you can continue to make that progress as you go. Now, I work with a lot of people who sometimes come to see me after having worked with other therapists or clergy or having gone to get accountability partners and they, they have put in their best effort, but they continue to struggle. And it's usually because they're missing one, two, or more of these pillars here. And so it's very important that you know that addiction does not have to be some lifelong sentence. It doesn't have to be some struggle that follows you around forever. And if it has up until this point, it's just because there's something missing. And so I hope today's episode will be beneficial for you as you consider what it is that might be missing in your process so you can then integrate it and then keep keep making progress on your journey. So as I thought about the most important things, I broke it down to five, five pillars. And while there are, I guess, these like umbrella, each pillar is like an umbrella and there's things underneath each pillar or umbrella that can go into the process as well, but I wanted to speak on a bit of a higher level today and share with you a, a big picture view of what this looks like in order to attain this total freedom from this problem. So one of the first things that I wanted to start with, well, the first thing that I wanted to start with is the number one factor. I remember I was on an episode, I was on somebody else's podcast. It was called Unashamed and Unafraid. They had me on it about, I don't know, a couple of months ago, a few months ago. And the host asked me this question like four times in a row. And uh, and he, his question was, what does it take? What if, if I were to tell me, if I were to tell them the number one factor or differentiating factor that signals if somebody is truly going to be able to overcome their addiction and, and somebody who is not, what is that one factor? And so I thought for a second and, and my first thought was, it's just, it's a willingness. And I don't think he liked that very much because he asked me that again. He's like, well, I know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. They got to be willing, but what is it really? And I was like, no, like seriously though, as I thought about it again, I'm like, ah, maybe this answer isn't that profound. It's not, it's not so complicated as I thought about it. It truly came down to a willingness to work on it and then him getting the right tools. So many people that I work with, they're so, before they come and see me, they've been working so hard to overcome the problem. They have a sense of willingness, but they just don't have the right tools in place. 
or they have some tools in place, but they're missing other pieces. But once somebody has a willingness and acknowledges the problem and is willing to work on it, and as soon as they get that person gets the right tools, those things will make it so that that person will definitely, assuredly overcome their addiction. And so as I explained that to him, he was like, okay, that's good. I guess I was just, you know, I was asking on behalf of every listener who's wondering, am I somebody who's going to overcome this problem? Because that their whole podcast is, is also about helping people overcome their struggles with pornography. And so he's like, I'm just on asking on behalf of everybody because I, you know, many people wonder, am I somebody who's going to actually be able to overcome this? And so often people think about that and they ask themselves that question after having failed countless times. Sometimes before somebody does come and work with me, before they get coaching or therapy, their main concern or reservation is this probably isn't going to work for me. And the reason why they think that is because they've tried so many things. They've tried everything that they can think of and they've really put in a genuine effort, but they just have not gotten the tools that they needed to get to the next step. There's just, there's, there's gaps. So that's one of the number one concerns. And as a result of having failed countless times, they then just think to themselves, I'm not somebody who's going to be able to overcome this. Maybe this is a lifelong sentence for me. And so that's why I wanted to start off with pillar number one. It's somebody who can acknowledge the problem and somebody who's willing to work on it. We're going to get further as we go through pillars two through five, what exactly to work on. But unless there's an acknowledgement, you can't make any movement because sometimes I'll speak with wives and they'll say, my husband doesn't admit that he has a problem. He doesn't think it's that big of a deal or he minimizes this and says that everybody does this and why am I so... Why am I on his case so much? Why can't I just get over this? Every All guys do it. They have this flawed logic that keeps them stuck and it keeps their wife stuck in this relationship where she does not feel safe and she feels stuck in terms of not being able to make progress, not being able to open herself up to him, not being able to have trust. It truly is, it, it's the differentiating factor between a relationship that thrives and one that just stays stagnant and 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 there's no growth or possibility for any potential, there's no potential for moving forward when this lack of acknowledgement of the problem and a lack of willingness, if, if that's where he is. And sometimes people go through phases where they can not acknowledge there's a problem and they're not willing to work on it, but then something shifts, there's a click, there's like a switch that goes on which then kickstarts them into action. And if I were to boil down the one thing that has the most influence on a husband or a man getting into action, it's when his wife sets some solid boundaries in place. And so I'll speak briefly to this aspect of it. So often the word boundary is thrown around and I think the way that most people think about boundaries and how it relates to this process, I think it gets a little cloudy. And so if you have somebody who acknowledges there's a problem and is willing to work on it, then your energy and time and attention can go towards the solution. If you're in a relationship with somebody who does not acknowledge a problem and is not willing to work on it, then your energy and time and attention needs to go to putting yourself, I'm speaking to the, to the women now, 
and putting yourself in a place where you can create your own safety. If you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't acknowledge this problem and it's hurting you, then you don't feel safe in the marriage. Therefore, you need to create your own safety. Ultimately, best case scenario, the work that I do with people when they come in to, to see me is I want to help him know how to create safety in the relationship for her. And while, yes, there is individual parts to the process, if he doesn't create a sense of safety after there's been damage done by addiction, she can't create that on her own. He needs to create the safety through his actions and through a process that can then allow her to bring her wall down. Her wall goes up in proportion to how unsafe she feels. And so if she doesn't have any safety, she has to protect herself and behind the wall, she cannot connect with him. And so for somebody who's going to fully move forward and heal their relationship, it does involve him doing the work to create safety so she can then step forward into this area or into the space that he's been able to create after there's been damage done. And again, the nuances are a little different when there's been uh, the impact of pornography when there hasn't been. So we would have a bit of a different conversation if there hasn't been any betrayal or damage done in this regard. But in terms of healing, it's then his responsibility to help provide and create an atmosphere of safety so she can step back into it. If he is not willing to do that, then again, it goes back to her creating boundaries where she can keep herself safe from the addiction. I guess I want to make sure that that's clear. The safety is against the addiction, not him as a person. And so we want him to create that safety against the addiction through his actions, through his efforts, the way that he interacts with her, the support that he can give her, him doing his work, that helps to create that safety for her against the addiction. And if he's not willing to do that, then she needs to do that. So that's one note that I'll say that if you're in a relationship right now where your husband or your partner, your the man, again, we're just shortcutting it, it's, it's boyfriend, fiance, husband, it's all the same. If the man is not willing to create that safety against the, the addiction, then her wall naturally comes up, boundaries go in place in order for her to feel protected against the impact that it has on her. That's the number one, that's the literally the fastest way for, for a wife and most effective way for a wife to influence the process because she doesn't have control over his actions. She can't make him do anything. But if she sets up boundaries that are solid, and if she eventually arrives at this place of, I can no longer stay in a relationship with somebody who's not willing to work on his problem, then I can't stay in this, I can't, I can't be a part of this relationship anymore. I've seen it before with clients when they come in and the women that, that I work with, they make that decision and they say, I, I cannot stay anymore because he's not willing to work on it. And then she shares that with him, not in any kind of uh, hanging it over his head, not some kind of like a, the energy of like this ultimatum. If you don't do this, then I'll do this. It's just, a, it's like a declaration of this is just where I am. I'm just revealing to you. I'm no longer in a place where I can stay unless something changes and I can't make you do anything. So if you choose to work on this, then I would love to stay and work on this with you. I want to grow and I want to make progress. But if you choose to not, then ultimately I'm not able to stay in a relationship where I feel so unsafe. Those types of boundaries, again, are kind of last resort. And 
if you have somebody, if you're working with somebody and your husband is willing to work, I would, it's key that you put your energy and attention into these solutions. And yes, while there are, there's a place for boundaries, I think it's uh, the boundary of, of, I can't stay in the relationship unless you're willing to acknowledge and move forward. That, that again is that energy into that is more of a last resort. And I've worked with people where before they came in to see me, the wife approached the situation and said, this is just where I am. And it, not in like any vindictive or ultimatum type of way. It's just a declaration of, I, I can't stay anymore unless you're willing to do this work. He, she wasn't trying to hang it over his head or pressure him to do anything. She was just revealing to him, this is where I am. I want to move forward in this relationship, but I can only do it if the addiction is something that's actively being worked on. When that happens, so often that's if that's a big influencing factor to help a husband get into action because unless sometimes in some cases there is no movement until those clear those clear declarations or boundaries are in place. And so if that's the place that you're in, then that that could be a next step for you if you've tried other approaches and if you've tried lots of different things and no matter what you do or say, he's not willing to even acknowledge or work on anything, then you then have to decide, am I willing to stay under these conditions or is this something that I need to see a change in? So you can decide all of that and there's a whole process to that, but that's at least an overview of what I wanted to share with that. Secondly, so the second pillar that I wanted to go into, the first one again is acknowledging and willing to work on it. Number two is a sense of sincerity and humility. There's a a completely different energy when I work with a a husband who truly does want to overcome the problem and is willing to do what it takes. There's a different, I use the word energy, but there's a different feeling versus somebody who digs their heels in and says, I don't really, this is not even that big of a deal, but if you're going to leave me, I guess I'll work on this. There's a, a very different energy with that. And unless there is a sincerity or a humility, then again, progress is so, so slow because a part of creating safety is creating the feeling of safety. It's creating a feeling of connection. And it's very difficult to connect with somebody who's who's digging their heels in and complaining and just pushing against the whole process. I think you know what I mean as I'm describing this. There, there are some people where you can see there's just, they, they grit their teeth through the process they're upset about it. They feel bitter and resentful that they have to do anything to overcome the problem. And yes, we all have moments, of course, of resentment and we feel bitter and we get frustrated and we get defensive sometimes. That's normal. That's everybody, addiction or not, that's everybody. But if there's a baseline of sincerity and humility, that's such a huge part of what can help somebody heal in a relationship and truly be able to do what it takes to overcome the addiction. There's not a whole lot that I need to say further about that, but I at least wanted to include the energy of this openness is such a big help in the process to not only create safety in the relationship, but to truly be able to heal as an individual. Now, the last three pillars kind of overlap with one another, and I wanted to share an overview with each one of these. I feel like addiction exists on one or all three of these levels as I kind of conceptualize this in my mind. There's three different levels to this. The very highest level is a behavioral level. It's in terms of like habits and actions and thought patterns and and 
decisions that you make. And I'll expound on each one of these. So that's the highest one. It's a behavioral level. It's a how ha- it's like ingrained as a habit. The layer beneath that is it's on an emotional level. When there are triggers, right? Triggers can occur on each of these levels. When there's an emotional trigger of loneliness or fear or inadequacy, shame, those are the that's the next level on which an addiction can exist. And then the final level, which is the thing that's mostly unaddressed by most people. It's the, I did an episode a few weeks ago about the episode title. If you haven't had a chance to listen to this, it expounds this. Again, this this episode I shared with, with everybody, the thing that completely changed my whole opinion and understanding of addiction and how then to be able to heal and overcome it, it completely changed when I went to a training where he talked about the reason on a core deep programming level why somebody continues to go back to the addiction even though they don't want it anymore. The title of that episode was How a Man Can Deeply Love His Wife and Struggle with Porn Addiction. And so I would encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. It, it honestly is like it it changed my, the direction of my entire career. And as a result of this new understanding, a whole set of new tools opened up to be able to help people truly overcome this. And so essentially, the very short version of it is it's on a, the third deepest level is our belief level. It's the beliefs. It's our programming. It's our, it's like sub, it's our subconscious mind. In other words, it's something that's like the autopilot. We all have an autopilot system. We have a subconscious mind that is in charge of most of what we do. And our beliefs are on that level. And like we've talked about in previous episodes, addiction is a way to cope with or numb out pain. And so you have the highest level, which is the behavioral level, which somebody just gets into the habit of doing it. That's oftentimes coupled with one of these, one or both of these other levels. So the behavioral level, the habit level, but then the emotional level, again, if somebody's feeling lonely or disconnected or inadequate or some painful emotion, the addiction then is something that helps them to numb out that pain. So not only does it become a habit, but it's driven by this emotional need to find like some sense of relief from pain. Then on the core level is the belief level. And specifically what I mean by that is the beliefs about somebody's own self. So often people have these very negative beliefs about themselves of them being unworthy or not enough or broken or unlovable, just some very, very painful belief which creates this sense, again, it's, it's a painful belief. It creates pain. It creates sadness. It creates fear. So the way that that person believes themselves, who they believe themselves to be, that in and of themselves creates a lot of pain that they want to get away from. Now, that is the most unaddressed, under, uh, under uh, how do I say this? It's, it's the most overlooked part of the process. It's the most unaddressed aspect of the healing process is changing those beliefs. Again, on the subconscious level, we just walk around with these beliefs of ourselves and other people and of the world. And if somebody has this negative belief of I'm a bad person, I made X, Y, Z mistake, therefore I'm a bad person or I'm unworthy. There's something wrong with me. That is such a source of pain for people. As I work with them, that's the number one reason why they get triggered back into addiction is because the painful way that they look at themselves. 
So when somebody is dealing with addiction, it's on one, two, or all three of these levels. And if somebody has addressed the habit level and they say, okay, uh, whenever I get triggered, then I'm going to try to just deep breathe, or I'm going to exercise, or I'm going to call my friend, or I'm going to write in my journal. Those are all good things. We want to be healthy. We want to exercise. We want to be reaching out. I think that's like, there's, there's lots of good new tactical things that we can do on the behavioral level that help. And for some people that's enough because it's not a full, it's not like an addiction as much as it is like this habit that shows up every once in a while and they can stop if they want to. So they just simply replace the behavior. For many, many, many other people, it's not as easy as, oh, that's, they discover, oh, this isn't really serving me, so I'm just going to get this out of my life, and they change their habits. They change a couple of things that they do in their routine, and then the addiction or the, the pornography goes out of their life forever. Most of the time when I work with people, they have these healthy things in place, but they still turn back to the addiction, and they don't really understand why. A lot of people don't really know exactly what their triggers are, so they have good things in place on that highest top level, but the thing underneath, whether it's the emotion or the beliefs, that still fuels the addiction. And so whether or not they're still able to resist it effectively for a period of time, there's still a battle there. And I think that's when I think about true freedom, instead of there just being this tug of war, right? So let's say, okay, I I have some good strategies. Whenever I get triggered, I might start to deep breathe and journal. So while that's helpful to do those things, mindfulness, meditation, all of those things are great and they're helpful, but if there are still these constant or consistent triggers where you're fighting against the temptation, in my mind, that's not true freedom because you're still battling. So when I work with people, I want them to be completely, I want instead of, to give, instead of giving them like a sword and a shield and fight against the addiction still and fight against the temptations, I want to help them get off of the battlefield so there's no more tug of war. There's not a part of them that says, oh man, like I'm really tempted and triggered right now. And the other part of them says, no, you really shouldn't do this. You know how this is going to affect your wife. You know how this is going to affect your family and how your you, this affects yourself, your self-esteem, your spirituality. You better not do that. There's this back and forth that takes place until somebody addresses all three of these levels. And once they do, then they can fully and permanently find a sense of freedom where there is no more power that the temptations have. It's not even something that pulls them in anymore because they're just, they, they're able to change on all three of these levels. And again, I want to make sure that it's clear, linking this back to the fact that addiction is a way to escape. And so if you have a habit that's not in place that needs to be, then putting that in place will help you. But if that isn't enough, then looking on the layer beneath that into your emotions. You know, I, there's a husband that I'm working with where, where he gets into a fight with his spouse, and that's a very common trigger for him. And when I ask him, what's going on for you when you guys are getting into these disagreements and then things start to escalate? Or if she brings up some of her pain, what's happening for you? And he says, well, I just, I feel awful. I, I feel horrible about myself. I feel like I'm a bad person. It makes me just want to, put my wall up and stop talking and I don't want to engage in any more conversations conversation with her so I shut down though he has good habits in place still the layer number 2 and the layer number 3 the emotions and the beliefs still trigger him to want to get away from pain 
And so the process that we went through was helping him do something different with his emotions. We want him to be able to process those in a healthier way, to be able to share them with his wife in a healthier way, instead of just bottling them up, shutting everything down and avoiding conversations. We just want him to open up and talk about what's going on in a different way. And then secondly, and even more importantly, the work that we focused on was helping him change his beliefs about himself. So instead of the fight with his wife triggering this belief of I'm a bad person, the focus was to help him process through, see himself differently so he can think, I got into a fight with my wife. I'm still a good person. It's just that we didn't agree on this thing and we didn't talk about it very well in the moment. There's a huge separation and difference between I got into a fight with my wife because we, you know, we didn't communicate very effectively versus I got into a fight with my wife because I'm un- and, and I'm unworthy and I'm a bad person. I lost my temper. I'm a bad person. I'm unlovable. She doesn't want to be with me anymore because there's something wrong with me. There's a huge difference in how somebody processes a fight or some kind of an event. And so as we did the work together, he was able to change the way that he processed that information. Instead of processing it and making it about him and beating himself up and being hard on himself, he made it just about this the situation and the decisions that happened in the moment, which then he could much more easily change and do something different altogether, which then helped him become free from the addiction because he wasn't struggling with these negative beliefs anymore. He knew how to process his emotions in a healthy way, and he already had good habits in place, but he need, just needed to do some work on a bit of a deeper level. So I wanted to share with you guys these five pillars, because as soon as somebody tackles this problem on all three of these levels, and you have these five pillars in place, not only can you just permanently become free from the addiction, and it doesn't actually have to take that long to do. Sometimes I'll work with people, and within a matter of a couple of months, they're in a completely different place, sometimes sooner, because they have most things in place. They just needed a few tweaks to get the rest of it to just lock in and cement every other good thing that they've already been doing. For some people, it requires a little more work because they don't have anything in place. So wherever you are on the on, on your path, wherever you are in this process of what you've got in place, I wanted to offer this as a blueprint so you know where to fill in the gaps. Because if you're working on this and you don't have a roadmap or a guide or a compass, you're just going to try to figure this out. You need to at least know what should you be looking for and how can you approach these things in a way that can actually bring a resolution. And again, so sometimes when people come into me, they've done a lot of good work and other times they just need a lot of help to put things in place. Wherever you are is okay. But with these five pillars as an overview, this is the process by which you can truly become free and have the addiction out of your life for good. Because once you handle things on the belief level and you change how you see yourself and you feel your worth and you don't feel worthless and depressed or anxious and you have other ways of coping with how you feel and you can talk through things in a healthy way with your spouse and you have a trusting relationship and you've got good habits in place, Once you have all that in place, there's no need to cope with, there's no need to numb out. You don't have to distract yourself anymore because you're actually processing life in a healthy way instead of just trying to escape it and avoid and numb out. And so I hope this has been helpful just to give you an overview. So wherever you are is okay. 
but you can use this as a map to figure out what's the next step for you in your relationship. What's the next step for you in as an individual? And then following this can help you give you some direction. So again, I hope that this has been helpful. If this has, I would love to hear your feedback. You can always write a rating and a review and give me your feedback that way. And it helps other people to find the podcast and get some direction, the tools that they need in the process, because I know it can feel overwhelming to feel like you're doing this by yourself, but truly there are tons of resources out there that can help. And so that would go such a long way to help other people find this as well. So thank you again. I look forward to speaking with you guys all next week. Take care. Instead of just trying to escape it and avoid and numb out. And so I hope this has been helpful just to give you an overview. So wherever you are is okay, but you can use this as a map to figure out what's the next step for you in your relationship. What's the next step for you in as an individual? And then following this can help you give you some direction. So again, I hope that this has been helpful. If this has, I would love to hear your feedback. You can always write a rating and a review and give me your feedback that way. And it helps other people to find the podcast and get some direction, the tools that they need in the process, because I know it can feel overwhelming to feel like you're doing this by yourself, but truly there are tons of resources out there that can help. And so that would go such a long way to help other people find this as well. So thank you again. I look forward to speaking with you guys all next week. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.